Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Everybody and welcome to another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of Beautiful British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall, and I'm Zachary Adam Eisenhammer. And this episode of the AFTN Soccer Show is a little bit different from usual because it's falling into CITR Radio's annual fun drive. Now, regular listeners might know what that is. We have been on CTR Radio for four years now. And every year we do a fun drive and it's to to raise money for the station. Every show does it. You can go onto the website. It's live now, citr.ca backslash donate. And you can donate any amount of money you want. One dollar up, five, ten, fifteen, twenty. The more the merrier. It's to raise money for the station, to meet their costs, to get new equipment and basically just support the station. It's a community station. It gives a voice to many, many different people in Vancouver. You get to hear ourselves. You get to hear a soccer show weekly on Vancouver Radio. The only soccer show on weekly Vancouver Radio. We're year round. And that's another thing that you don't get in a lot of other radio stations and their soccer coverage. But CITR Radio, it's a fantastic station. It it does so much for the community. It's got a wide variety of musical shows, talk shows, just general discussions, whether it's current affairs, whether it's sport. It supports the student athletes up here at UBC. And it's just a great platform, especially for young journalists, young media people that are wanting to get on, a lot of them get their first time show, people like ourselves that allowed us to to bring our, our podcast which had been going from 2013 onto the airwaves and a worldwide audience that can tune in live if they want. And it's, it's been a bit of a strange year of course because we've not actually been able to get into the studio to record anything since March. Fingers crossed at some point we will get back into the studio this year. But over the course of the show, we'll we'll remind you about the donate button. We'll also be playing you just a few little clips from some of the other shows, just encouraging you to donate. So remember, you can go anytime over the next few weeks, citr.ca backslash donate. Give anything you can. So let's get into this week's show, and we've we've got a lot to delve into. We're going to be talking Whitecaps, we're going to be talking Major League Soccer, we're going to be talking Canadian Premier League. But for this part, Zach, we're going to kick things off building on a, a topic that we talked about in last week's show. 
It's the looming lockout, the battle between the league and the owners and the players and their union. It's been a a strange week. I, I described it on Twitter. It was a little bit like Solomon Grundy, not the DC Comics villain. I don't know how familiar you are with the kind of poem of Solomon Grundy's act, but for anyone that doesn't know, basically, it's the story of a life of a man in a week. Born on a Monday, christened on a Tuesday, married on a Wednesday, took ill on a Thursday, grew worse on Friday, died on Saturday, buried on Sunday. But MLS this week, they had their own kind of version of Solomon Grundy. On Monday... MLS announced that the league is getting underway on April 3rd, with pre-season starting February 22nd. Fast forward two days later, ESPN leaked that MLS had told all the, the clubs to prepare for a looming lockout because they hadn't had any feedback from the union. On Thursday, the union gave their response to the, the offer that the, the league had made to them. And on the Friday... The league replied by basically saying that they were very far apart and there could be a a lockout looming within the next week. So we're going to delve into all those things in this part. Let's start with the Monday news. The the good news aspect of this, Zach, as things currently stand, the MLS season is going to get underway on April 3rd. No decisions as to what's happening with the Canadian teams. All we know, though, is it's going to be a full 34 game season which to me is incredible and not in a good way yeah no it, it, it i don't know about for you michael but for me it just really rang hollow that announcement because you knew there hadn't been an agreement with the players and you knew it was their way of continuing to to force the issue uh to help yep. create deadlines all that kind of stuff and uh you know or you know uh self-imposed deadlines i should say uh and yeah, it just rang really hollow. In terms of the 34 games, uh, yeah. I mean, they got a lot of games in last year in a short period of time, so I, I don't doubt that they, they could squeeze in 34 if they started in April, but um, or, you know, have the desire to get in the full game, full number of games because uh, of... Yeah, I mean, they, they definitely could because, like, the Bob Foose and the Union said they could start in June, and his understanding is that they could get the, the full slate of games in. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it... it, it <laughs> I, I it, when it came out, I was just like, "Oh, they seem overly optimistic." When I, I it felt like they're not. It felt like just a, another play of theirs to try and uh, get people on their side or or agreeing with their perspective. And but really, it just once again, it felt like they failed to read the room, and and uh, it, it felt like just a, an, a move about optics. And I think the week proved that. Yeah. All the talk from last week, it seemed that the union weren't in a hurry to reply and that it was they were saying it wasn't a firm deadline that they had set and all that kind of stuff. So when this came out on Monday, because there had been talk on the Friday before that the two parties had met. So part of me is thinking, oh, well, maybe it was really positive meeting because why on earth would they want to, to go and publish all these things if it wasn't going to be the case? But then the other part of me was like, well, we know why, and it's for all the reasons that, that you've just outlined there. Yeah, it'd be great. April 3rd, pre-season gets underway on the 22nd. And having those dates now set is what we then find out later in the week the league are using as their badgering tool for having the firm answers by certain dates. So this came out on Monday. 
thought nothing too much of it. We knew that the 30-day deadline that the, the league had given the union was up on Thursday. So we're wondering, oh, well, what's going to happen next? Then ESPN had an article, Jeff Carlyle ran it on Wednesday, which they'd got hold of a, a memo, an internal memo, which had been leaked to them, basically saying that all clubs were being told to prepare for a lockout, which would basically mean the players can't come in and use the training facilities, they, they can't do all the other stuff, negotiate and like just talk to, to the coaches, or all the kind of stuff that would be normal kind of things which would obviously then delay pre-season potentially and, and everything like that at all. So like, okay, that's a bit odd that they've put that out on Wednesday. They must know that things are, are going to to come to, to head the following day. Well, it was because wasn't the Thursday their initial fake imposed? Yep, that was their hard deadline. Yeah. And then the union responded to to their their offer that the, the owners had made on the Thursday made it public so everyone knew what it was. And I, I tweeted it out basically saying, if the league and the owners don't accept this, then I think it shows exactly who they are and what they're about. Because the union gave a lot of concessions. They they gave a lot up. They agreed to extend the CBA by one year, not the two, but it took them to the end of 2026. So it took them past the, the World Cup didn't do it to 2027, which is what the league was wanting. But I thought, well, that's fair. You're, you're meeting in the middle. They they wanted a little bit of change regarding free agency to make more players available for free agency, which they should be anyway. They, in fact, that shouldn't even be an issue because the way that MLS do contracts is ridiculous compared to the rest of the footballing world. But that that's for another day. And there's a few other things that they, they agreed to and you thought, no, that's fair by the union. All the players were retweeting it saying, we're ready to play, we want to play. And you thought, yeah, the, the league's going to do that. But then the the midnight deadline came and went. People were staying up to see if the league tweeted anything out or put out a communication and they didn't. So you thought, oh, well, no news is probably good news. Woke up on Friday morning. No. The league rejected the union's counter-proposal, have given them another week to come to a deal and have just basically said that they will now lock them out. Just to quote a little bit from the, the league's release, they said, we remain far apart. And I'm thinking, how are you far apart when the union met you in the middle? So the union, happy to go to 2026 extension of the CBA, but the league, it seems, are not budging on this two-year 2027. Now, the league also said MLS had made a thoughtful, fair and simple proposal to the players. Not from what I read. To pay players 100% of their compensation, because we talked on last week's show, they're stressing this 100% to get the casual onlookers reading that going, well, why are they being so greedy? They're getting their 100% of their wages in exchange for an extension of the CBA for two years, blah, blah, blah. But then they went on to say that given the impact of COVID on how clubs will need to operate during pre-season, we must finalise an agreement in the coming days in order to provide teams and players adequate time to prepare for the opening of training camps. So 
There we go. That was why this season had to get announced on Monday. That was why pre-season was announced for February 22nd. Just so the league could turn around and say, well, we've got this date now, so we have to get everything in place by a certain number of days before. So we're only giving you one more week. And if you don't do it, apparently the MLS Labour Committee has voted unanimously to authorise the league to terminate the CBA and institute a lockout. I really hoped it wouldn't be unanimous and we would be left wondering what clubs actually had backed the players in this. But it turns out, no, all the clubs and owners singing from the same hymn book. It's not looking good, Zach. Oh, not at all. Um, it, it is, I, I mean, I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm a little surprised that the players are even willing to give, to give up that massive thing of the one year. Like that to me is a, is a huge concession. Cause yeah, mm. uh, the owners are, are going to take some type of a hit this year. Uh, like they did in 2020 for sure. But the, what that deal, the, 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 what they will get out of extending that CBA past the world cup is like, it's not, it's not, no one can, no one looks at that and sees that as an equal amount of money. Like they're basically going to take a, a, a small hit now for a bigger payoff later. And um, yeah, I, 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 to be honest, I was surprised the players even agreed to their, in their proposal, put forward one year. I think it was good that they did that because it shows, look, we want to play. We have a little bit of sympathy to, towards the owners. But again, it's all boiling down to what Bob Foose said a couple of weeks ago. And it's been a big talking point this week. Sam Stachel wrote about it in The, the Athletic. Are the league and owners doing this because of financial necessity or financial opportunism? opportunism yeah. And the more that this goes on, it just smacks and reeks of financial opportunism. Because nobody really knows what they're going to lose this year. We no. know what they lost last year. That's all been adjusted and, and accounted for. But if vaccines are getting rolled out, you have to expect, especially in a lot of states, fans are going to be turning up at games. So there's going to be more fans in attendance. It's not going to be as big a financial hit as it was last year. I guess you've maybe still got charters to get around and various things like that. You've also got the whole border issue coming in, everything like that as well. But the the losses should be nowhere near what, what they lost in 2020. But yet they seem to be making out that, oh yeah, it's going to be another year just like 2020. It could be, but no one's going to know for certain until next year. I, I think as well, one of the aspects was that if this was agreed, force majeure would have been off the table altogether for this year. The league could still invoke it again next year, but basically we would have a set and steady 2021 if they agreed to this counter-proposal and we would know exactly what we're looking at, we'd know when the league was starting and then you've just got the other logistical side to sort out. Now it's a mess. I will be amazed if they get this done. Apparently both parties are still going to talk over the next week. I just, I really, I know the players want to be on the pitch. I, I just want them to, to play hardball now in this. Oh yeah, I mean, I've wanted them to play hardball because I detest a lot of how the league oper operates and and chooses to go about things. And so, yeah, I hope, really hope the players uh, do play hardball and uh, do fight for what they think is fair for them in the short and in the long term. And yeah, I hope that uh, I hope that they get it. Now, I don't think they they will, and it'll be interesting to see where in that middle ground between where they started it at or where the even where the 
MLSPA compromise to and where the league is, where they end up landing, or if they end up landing at all in 2021. Yeah, it's important, I think, now, because they've got so much public support on their side that the players aren't seem, seem to cave. And I, I know there's a lot more to it than just perception, but it's like this is a, this is a watershed moment, I feel, in terms of, of the league and the damage that can get done to the league. Because I, I don't know if you saw, I, I retweeted this. It's an interesting little twist. Jake Cohen, who is a sports lawyer based in London and Boston, tweeted out, in the event of a lockout, and provided that the union decertifies, I will happily represent on a pro bono basis any and all MLS players who are currently under contract and wish to file a claim before FIFA in order to permanently leave their clubs on free transfers. <laughs> wow. Mm. Now yeah. that's a, a interesting rankle because you could have the likes of, say, a Jordan Morris away on loan just now at Swansea. Swansea might want to buy him. This well, all plays out and he goes on a free. It's a loan deal with an option to buy. So maybe they can negate that. Yeah, you're mm -hmm. right. You've um, got someone like Ali Adnan could walk yeah. away. Oh, he'd free. go for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's also important that we don't forget the damage that the 2020 negotiations did yeah. um, in all this, especially the... Uh, whatever the I don't know, was it May or June, whatever the whatever the negotiations were no, negotiations yeah. were to for for MLS's back and when and, there was more threats of lockout, that's like all they seem to yeah. want to do is just issue this threat. I think I think that and whenever I hear people talk about it, that did huge damage, like huge, huge damage to the relationship, and I don't think you can undervalue how that's playing out or how that's in. in, in uh, impacting how things are playing out right now. I mean, players publicly are very outspoken about that damage. When you speak to them privately, they're even more outspoken. And considering how outspoken they are in 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 public, it just shows the anger and the animosity that that lingers. But th the damage that this could do to the league and the way it could set it back. And if you look around the league as well, there's not been a lot of transfers this month because clubs obviously can't pull the trigger on a lot of these deals because what do you say to a guy never mind the whole Canadian things and where yeah. they're going to play but an American team an LA a Miami a New York do you want to come you might get locked out and not actually have a contract or a salary but you might have re relocated your family by that point and then you're locked out so I think a lot of clubs are waiting to see what happens here and then it's going to be a very busy transfer market if a, if a deal gets signed yeah. by the time we do next week's show this seems to be a, a a harder, hard deadline. So this time next week, we'll know if there's a lockout or if we're going to be starting a season on April 3rd. My feeling is it's going to be locked out. On February 4th, are we going to do a, like a live Zoom that night leading up to the... Oh, we could. Yeah, get some of the players on. Use our contacts. <laughs> there you go. That'd be good times. Yeah. So that's certainly going to be, be interesting to watch how that plays out. Just to, to round off this part, we, we kicked off mentioning about CITR's uh, fund drive. I just want to play you a little stinger just now. Just uh, from a, a, another show that's on CITR, Thunderbird Eye. 
And one of the guys that presents that, Jake McGrail. Now, regular readers of AFTN will know Jake does our match previews on the site. He's also the presenter of Thunderbird Eye. So here's just a little bit from Jake, just explaining what CITR means to him and why he should help support the station. Hello, this is Jake McGrail from Thunderbird Eye. This week is Fun Drive here at CITR, the time each year where we ask for your support to help keep us and our wide variety of voices and content on the air. For me, CITR has been a way to get started in something that I hope to do for a long time, and that's cover sports. I've been able to cover our UBC teams for the last few years, co-hosting a weekly show that has given me a large amount of experience and comfort that I wouldn't have been able to get nearly as readily otherwise. And not only that, but we've been able to bring dozens of UBC athletes from all walks of life onto our show, giving them a platform to share their stories that they might not have otherwise had. Contributions help not only my show, but so many others, and if you have the means to do so, please visit citr.ca slash donate to donate. Any contribution is very much appreciated. Thank you. Jake McGrail there, AFTN writer and presenter of Thunderbird Eye, just encouraging you to support CITR. So visit the website citr.ca backslash donate. Give anything you can. There's some swag on offer. We'll be covering that later on. But that's it for this part. We will be back in the next part talking about some guys that have joined the Whitecaps after this. Hi, I'm Mark Dos Santos and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. It's a night when they come When I'm alone and not with anyone Through the shouts and music Of the crowd down the road boozing Near the free car park The bins and the alleyway Of the Chinese restaurant Number three for two And number four for one We're going down like BHS While the able-bodied vultures monitor and pick at us We're going down and it's no stress I'm laying over the knuckle-dragging exodus We're going down like BHS While the able-bodied vultures monitor and pick at us We're going down and it's no stress We're going down like BHS Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. Broadcasting from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of beautiful British Columbia. And it's Fun Drive Week on CITR. Don't forget to support the station by visiting citr.ca backslash donate and help support the station and have them feature shows like ourselves. You enjoy this show? They give us a, a place to have all our wacky fun. Not live at the moment because the studio is shut down, but hopefully we'll be back to live soon. So get on the website, give them some support, and who knows, you might get some swag out of it. Because there's various levels of rewards that you can get from $30 a month. Not a month, you can give that if you want. But a $30 donation above, you'll get various sort of patches, badges. You can get a dedication on the station. If you want to give a $1,000, they'll even let you host your own show. If you want to give me a thousand dollars, I'll let you host that an episode of the AFT and Soccer Show, though, as well. But we can have those discussions later. Just give give me a call. 
But kicking off this part of the AFTN Soccer Show, it was the latest song from this month's Artist of the Month. The last time you'll hear them for January, February as this show goes out on CITR, that was English band Sleaford Mods with their song BHS, named after the department store that sadly is no more in the UK, a victim of the recession and the credit crunch. That features on their 2017 album, English Tapas, the ninth studio album from their band. They've got their latest studio album, Spare Ribs, that just came out last month. I've got that in order. It's winging its way over from the UK. Hope you've enjoyed Sleaford Mods. Check them out on YouTube, Spotify, wherever you get your music. We will be back next week with a new Artist of the Month. But let's get back talking football now and let's talk some Whitecaps. Because the Whitecaps, I talked in the last part, there's not been a lot of movement and new additions to a number of teams. The Whitecaps are adding players left, right and centre. Well, left wing, centre back and goalkeeper. Doesn't have as catchy a ring as left, right and centre. Left, right and at the back. That's what, what we'll go with. We'll, we'll kick things off though by looking at the, the signing of the guy... That has been rumoured since December. He's Colombian. He's a winger. It's Debar Caicedo. I now know how to pronounce his name. I've been saying Caicedo for weeks. It's Caicedo. Anyway, Zach, we've got him. He's signed. It's been a long drawn out process. He's still trying to get his work permit to come here. He had to go to Mexico to do his, his medical. And then they couldn't electronically send the results from Mexico. It's... It's tough signing guys at the moment during a COVID and a worldwide pandemic, but he's a white cap now and he looks an exciting prospect and he's very excited to be here. He's spoken a, a lot to Christian Dahomey. He's never played with Christian, but he has played against him. Dahomey has said a lot of wonderful things about the city and the club and we know from last year how it was a difficult year for Dahomey and it took six months for him to get his family here and the white caps helped as much as they could. That's made the homie sell the club so much because he really appreciates what the club did. And the Colombian connection on the wings, it's an exciting proposition. Caicedo is very highly thought of. There's been a a lot of guys that cover South uh, American football that have tweeted out this week that he's one of the, the top Colombian prospects. I'm excited to see what he can do in the pitch. We've seen it before, though, with guys that's come in, especially young guys, some of them adjust a lot quicker than usual. Some of them just don't adjust at all to MLS. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, this is this signing is in line. It feels like with uh, I don't know many most of the MLS, of the MLS era Whitecap signings, right? Uh, it's not uh, not crazy extravagant. It's a young player with uh, a bunch, a lot of potential upside. And um, FUT 86 potential, Zach. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I, I forgot what you were from. <laughs> yes, we were talking about it. Yeah. I mean, oh, I mean, that's, yeah, that, um, yeah, that's just sad. I mean, it, it's one thing if you're bringing in a player who's already like in their 80s or, or the high 70s in FIFA, but to, but to say, here's our 68 on FIFA player with the potential. I mean, because you know, as you know, or sorry, as people who play FIFA know, yeah, when you're bringing in players, you're looking at what their potential is because you want to train them and, and integrate them and play them so that they'll reach their potential. But 
Uh, so it is trying to connect with the younger generation. I'm sure that esports guy who's winning things for them was was happy to see that. I was cock a hoop. It, it, it was, was like, really, Ooh. it was really, in my opinion, really poor marketing and really poor inter interaction. Um, uh, maybe, maybe we're just old and we just don't get more than no. day football. But dude, I I play FIFA. I play FIFA with my son. Uh, I like I get what they're trying to do. I just don't think it's a good idea. Like it's, no, it's not. I don't understand the idea. Is I just don't think it's a good idea. Let's hear a little bit from Mark DeSantis and Axel Schuster now, just after the signing of Caicedo. So first of all, we're going to hear from Axel just talking about the, the hoops that they had to go through to get the deal over the line, which included giving money to Nashville for his discovery rights. And then we'll hear a little bit as well from MDS just talking about where he sees Caicedo fitting into the team. Obviously, the, the rumours about Deber had been going around since December. Can you just talk a little bit about how this deal got over the line, just how the negotiations went, how he first came on your radar, and just a, around Nashville having his initial discovery rights? Um, he, he was a scouting um, object, so he came on our radar, radar earlier than that. So I think he was on our radar the first time. I would have to look it up, but I think uh, end of October, somewhere at that point, uh, we were targeting him the first time that scout, uh, the scouting department, scouting recruiting department came up with his name and said that he would fit our profile and our needs. So um, so we started the, the full process. As I said the last time, our department grows and grows and uh we will be in a in the in the situation are i'm very happy to to tell you already that we will be uh able to announce uh, the changes in our scouting recruitment department the next seven days as now also some of the formalities are done um so a lot of guys have worked on that um we try to to get a, uh, get him uh the rights on the discovery list as that is also very important um, and also that took some time. Then we, we started to speak with the player as that is very important for us to get an idea uh, about his character, about his thoughts, about his future and, 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 and the next steps. So it was, it was a long process uh, that started um, in, in fall last year already. And it then became again very complicated as we were starting to do the medicals. Um, as uh, he still has no visa today. I was speaking about that a while ago, how complicated that process is. So we had to find a solution. Uh, at the end, we flew him to, to Mexico uh, after we, we found a, a, a clinic and a doctor we trust. That's another thing. You, you have to find somebody you trust. Uh, so we flew him to Mexico. Also, that had to be done and we need an appointment there. We need the flights there. Um, and uh, then um, because the systems in Mexico are different than the systems here, you could not transfer the data and the pictures uh, uh, online. So we we had to wait until the disk arrived here or the disks. So it was a long process, um, um, but um, we, we, we were way convinced from his profile from the very first day. And um, as I said to you before, and we will share more about that uh, in, in the next days, uh, we have a clear idea how we uh, evaluate, check, and, and, and uh, scout a player. So we, we feel very 
comfortable because uh, no, we feel very good with the signing because uh, every single check from every single department, performance department, stats department, our scouts, and then also uh, our personal impression um, and in our talks with the player, uh, we confirmed that that uh, that we are on the on the right way and that we are looking for the right player and and at the the end finally we could announce today and I know uh, this is a, something that is a little bit tricky in these times and I, we will see that with other players as well that there are a lot of rumors up in the air already uh, as of course if we involve different people we involve uh, doctors in Mexico or players flying there teammates see that he's uh, not in the training or leaving the club he's speaking with teammates uh, the club is involved a lot of guys in the club uh, where he's coming from there are a lot of sources that can speak about it but uh, we uh, want to continue uh, on the path that we only speak about something that if it is concrete and we 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 are uh, we are at a at a point where we feel comfortable to to fix the deal or to close the deal. Uh, although then the medicals are another piece uh, that are very difficult uh, wherever you want to sign a player from right now. And just a, a question for Mark. Where do you see Deber fitting into this team? Is it obviously going to take a, a little bit of time to kind of get up to speed with MLS, new team, new teammates, new environment altogether? I would assume that you've thought of bringing him in as a starter and it looks an exciting prospect, him and Dahomey on either wing. Do you feel it will take him a little bit of time to, to get up to speed with MLS though? Um. I think it's always a little bit unfair to sign a player and say we bring him to be a starter. Of course we do. You know, any player that you bring um, when it's international, you have the hopes that he adapts to everything in the MLS. Uh, but I'll give you an example today. I was reading an article on uh, how Mo Salah and Kevin De Bruyne at Chelsea uh, took so much time to kind of get into their game that um, the club didn't believe as much in them. And then they ended up being world-class players in other places. So it's very difficult to predict things like that. Now, like Axel said, we've done a lot of homework that make us believe that this player inside the right context and the right work could be a player that uh, plays uh, for this team and grows in this team. Um, but of course, that there's a lot of moving pieces uh, for a player to succeed. We see him playing uh, on the right or the left side. He's a winger that could play in a 4-4-2, 4-2-3-1, or a 4-3-3. He's comfortable both on the left and the right side. Um, he's a player that even at the national team uh, level, youth national team, also played underneath uh, the forward. So any of those positions uh, behind the forward, uh, you could see they better play. Uh, but then we're going to see with preseason and with the, all the moving par parts that we're still working on where Daber fits the best. Um, like I said, I think he has tools that are very uh, aggressive as a player. He's quick, he's fast, he likes to take players 1v1, he likes to play a lot inside. So that could be interesting when our fullback is very offensive type of uh, mind a fullback that likes to join the attack a lot. So you could see Daybed in those pockets. But again, I, as a coach, I also like to, to protect situations like that. Daybed is 
young they bet is coming to a new league to a new environment is is gonna move to a new scenario we're here as a club to help him achieve and maximize all the tools and potential that he has but it could be a very fast process but in MLS we've also seen with other young players that could take a little bit more time um, that's the situation with him MDS and Axel there just talking about the latest Whitecaps signing, Debar Caicedo, an exciting prospect. Axel said he's kind of been on the Whitecaps scouting book since uh, about October. And interestingly, a little tidbit from Axel there as well. They hope to confirm their new scouting department within the next week. Sorry, what now? Yeah. I thought, new... confirm. I thought they had a scouting department. Yeah, well, they're going to confirm it. They've got it, but they're going to confirm who they are. You mean tell people publicly? Is that yeah. what you're oh. Which I wasn't sure that they were actually going to do because I'm pretty sure we were told at one point they wouldn't be saying who it was because they didn't want to tip other teams off as to who yeah. was working for who. Mark, I've heard Mark say that. Maybe it's not actually going to be the names. Maybe they're just going to explain how it works. We've got a guy in Fife that monitors Scottish League One, for example. That could be one of the the guys. That could be me. I have suggested that, but they, they they didn't take me up on that. But no, some exciting stuff. I, I'm, I'm excited to see what Caicedo does. It, it was a very long conference call that we had to, to discuss that transfer and a lot of other things as well. And we're still talking about the number 10 that might come to the club. Mark and Axel have teased a few things in interviews in the past few weeks and, and last week as well. We talked in last week's show, Axel had said there was a 1A, a 1B, a 1C. They were all first choices. It looks like the first two may have fallen by the, the wayside, so we're on to a 1C. But he did say he's added another two to the mix. So we've got a 1D and a 1E now. So we, we've got that aspect of it. Are you? Is anyone at all surprised by this? Like Not in the current climate, to, to be honest. I would actually be amazed if we, we land anyone. Apparently, I, I think, Otavio that we talked about last week has come out and said he's got no interest at all in coming to MLS. Yeah, yeah, I heard that about from Otavio. But uh, you're right. The, the current climate is a good reason and rationale for it, but it's just so white caps. It's like so, like not just MDS era, but it just, it yeah, it it's, I mean, the, hopefully they'll go and get someone, but it's it's just pretty sad. Well, yeah. I mean, they're still guys and they're still very hopeful. And one of the other clues that was given is he's going to be a number 10, but he doesn't currently wear number 10 on his jersey. Okay. Mm. It's going to be hilarious now. If we do end up signing somebody that has got number 10 on his jersey, everyone's going to be like, well, he obviously wasn't the first choice that we're talking about then. Exactly. But that, that aside... Do we know more about that no, that that person who doesn't wear number 10 on their jersey? Possibly, because another clue that was given is he has helped a team that's not in a top five league to a second-placed finish. Mm. Mm-hmm. Not a lot to go on, but I do want to say Caleb Wilkins from 86 Forever. But if you haven't checked out his stuff, go go check out some of Caleb's stuff on 86 Forever. He does a lot of really good stuff on that site. 
I've tried to poach him for AFTN, sadly we, we couldn't get him. But check out, he did some sleuthing as to try to narrow down who these people could be. He came up with a name because one of the other clues was that he's likely to be South American. Because two of the three originally were South American. So this guy is Uruguayan. He plays in Mexico, Mexico for Tigres. Leonardo Fernandez. Oh, yeah. Although apparently Tigres are looking for 10 million for him, which seems a lot. He's the number two, number 10 at Tigres in the moment. So he's kind of wanting to move on and play. But I mean, I know nothing about him apart from the quick research I did after Caleb wrote that. He would look a good prospect. But let's be honest, right now, anybody that can be a number 10, I think is a good prospect for us. Anybody that is a capable number 10, I'm happy with. Just get us a number 10. Yeah, I mean, the Whitecaps need uh, a creative fulcrum to their, to like, a person to run the show for them. Kind of worryingly, though, MDS again did talk about, uh, it's the traditional number 10s and stuff in the modern game and all that kind of stuff. So that concerns me a little bit that we still goes back to one of the questions from a couple of weeks ago. Is this going to be a number 10 that is a number 10 or is it going to be a person that can play number 10? Let's just hope we get somebody. But right now, I mean, I I don't know how the Whitecaps can recruit right now because you've got one, you don't know if they're going to be playing in Canada. Two, you don't know what's going to be happening for just border crossings in general, families, everything like that getting back to, to see families on breaks if they're an international player how's that working for the national team then you've got the new Ryan off is it even going to be a season is it going to be a lockout is someone going to sign a deal and then that contract's ripped away from them it's, it's just a complete mess just now and I really feel for all the clubs but the Canadian clubs and the Whitecaps it's like I don't know how you sell coming here at the moment and I don't know how any player is going to want to come here Unless they're coming just for the money, and that's not ideally the, the kind of signing that that you want at the club. And and I, yeah, I don't think the Whitecaps are the kind of club proven to be the kind of club that will pay someone who is worth. The well, I don't know. I mean, the rumours about Otavio, he was going to get what, a five million dollar signing on fee or something in his pocket. But I'm just talking about players who actually would want yeah. to come to Well, someone that has come to the Whitecaps this week is we've got a new goalkeeper. If there's one thing you can be sure that the Whitecaps are going to have, it's goalkeepers. Which does leave a, a lot of questions about the current goalkeepers. But Evan Newton, who I'm actually a, a big fan of. I, I watched him when he played for FC Cincinnati when Alan Koch was there pre-MLS. Him and Spencer Ritchie shared time and goal. And obviously Spencer was there in loan and you're thinking, oh, you want Spencer to play. But then... If you watched any of Cincy's games, Newton was outstanding. He won the Golden Glove in the USL that season. Um, He signed a two-year deal with a one-year option. He's an experienced guy. He's a quality guy. He's going to be somebody that the Whitecaps can rely on because there's a very good chance Max Crippel and maybe even Thomas Asal could both be away with Canada on international duty. So you need to have an experienced goalkeeper that can come in. Evan Newton is that guy. So there's that aspect of it. But the other aspect of it, Zach, is what does this mean for Thomas Hassal in particular? It, it looks like all the words that's coming out is Hassal and Cripeau are going to battle it out pre-season and one of them will be the number one. 
And then whoever isn't the number one could get moved on on loan, maybe even transferred. There's been murmurs that there's European interest in Hassau, CPL interest in Hassau. With what Cropo's done, I'm sure there'd be interest in Cropo as well. It's getting harder and harder, though, to imagine that both those guys are going to be here once the season starts. Yeah, it, it, this... Like, I, I know, okay, Max is going to... His early prime kind of thing, and so... You, you, like he's got, you know, he's got to be playing. Hassal's Hassal's younger, and it would be ideal for him to be playing, as we've talked about many times in the past. But he, I think he did enough last year to prove that he's worthy of being a backup in MLS. Uh, again, but that, that doesn't help him though. That's the problem because he need he's a guy that needs to be playing week in week out right now for his development. Right, and that's where ideally, and then I again, I'm, I'm, I know I'm speaking in some ideals that are that uh, lack uh, a little bit of uh, uh, basis in reality. But ideally, he's your backup in MLS, uh, who you know you can rely on uh, should an injury or whatever happen. Uh, and he's playing for the MLS reserve side, like yeah. every game possible. Like that's the, that's the ideal. Now, obviously, it doesn't feel like that's going to happen this, this season, or to us, it doesn't feel like in Canada anyway, it's going to happen this season. But this bringing in this other another player who's obviously brought like obviously looks like he's being brought in to be the backup, unless unless there's some really good communi- communication going on between MDS, the coaching staff, uh, Axel, and, and Hassal. Like I don't I don't know this this could be unsettling for a young a young player or any player really, and so. Yeah, I've read I've read some of the, the the chatter that you have in terms of like them battling out and then the other one you know no longer being here whether it's a loan or uh, a transfer CPL Europe I've, I've read some of those things as well but it it um, I don't I don't know it, it, it doesn't I, I guess I hope for these players it'll work out but it doesn't feel great at the moment no I mean we've we've watched a sow come through the ranks we've spoken to him for years on the show we've had a few interviews with him and we know what a talent he is he's at the stage though that he has to play every week he has to go and do what Max Cripo did and go out on a season loan Max went to Ottawa that's the kind of thing that Thomas Asal needs to do so he's playing week in week out because right now Max Cripo is the better goalkeeper I think th- there's no question about that. There might be folks that are like, oh, well, we want our homegrown guy and stuff, and look how well he did in the tournament. And yeah, that was in a small selection of games. I think Max has shown in a lengthy period of time, pre-Whitecaps as well, that he's the better goalkeeper just now, and he should be the number one. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, the one comment I would not agree with you in is I can't, I cannot see under any circumstances a scenario in which both Hassal and Crapo our way with the Canadian men's national team, the full national team. No, but I was more meaning Olympics. Okay. Right? They could okay. both be away with Canada. Okay, fair enough. So that, that's how they could both be away. Yeah. Okay. So, I, well, assuming the Olympics does go on, meaning that the qualification goes on in March, Hassal is going to definitely be part of that squad. If they right. qualify for the Olympics, he'll be away. So in July, he'd be away at the Olympics. Max is away at the Gold Cup. And all of a sudden, you'd be looking at Isaac Bomer as your starting keeper. So that's why they've had to bring in a, a guy like Newton. And like okay, I said, so a big the fan more, of Newton. More, you're convinced me. There, there's, I, I can see the rationale for it. I just, 
I just don't know. I just, again, I just hope on the relational side of things that this has been handled well, which I don't have a lot of faith in, but mm-hmm. I hope it has. Well, like going back to what we said in the first part, if there's a lockout, if this lawyer guy gets everyone away on free contracts, someone like Casal is the kind of guy that would just walk away, European passport, off to yep. Europe, free, no money for the, the caps. Totally. Well, you get a development that you could put in for, but stuff, but that, that's the kind of danger that that this lockout can be for these these kind of players. But yeah, there's been some movement as well, and there's been another addition to the squad, but it's a, a face that is very familiar to Whitecaps fans, Andy yeah. Rose. Can you call it an addition? Well, he was wasn't. He year? was off the squad. Now he's back on it. That's mm. what I'm meaning. Anyway, Andy Rose is back. We're going to talk to him in the next part, and we'll be back with that after this. Hey, it's Randy Millis from All Access Pass. You know, it takes hundreds and hundreds of hours of volunteer time to generate our content. And while our dedicated volunteers work hard, we also have to pay staff to keep our transmitter running, do technical support for our online presence, office administration, licensing, and more. Hey, we know you're all on a tight budget, especially right now. But this is the one time of year we ask you to dig down a little deeper in your pocket and contribute what you can to help keep independent alternative programming on the air. For less than a cost of a coffee a day, you can help keep us on the air. CITR has been an opportunity for me to give back to my community and expand my horizons when it comes to the Diversibility community. To your donations, we can produce programs that help our listeners live richer, fuller lives. Why not take a minute and contribute what you can? Donate at citr.ca and click the donate button. Hello, I'm Nick Datsovich. You're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Yuffie lifts a finger And a mouse is there Puts his hands together And a seagull takes the air Yuffie lifts a finger And a scampy darts about Yuffie bends another And a tortoise head peeps out These hands were made for making And making they must do Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM Broadcasting from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of beautiful British Columbia. And it's fun drive time here on CITR Radio. We've been talking about that in the first couple of parts. Support the station. If you enjoy listening to shows like this on the airwaves, if you like your alternative music, you like your wide variety of music, talk shows, just local community interest, CITR Radio is the station for you. They need your support. They do a fundraising drive every year just to make sure that they can get enough money to upgrade equipment, pay for the, the staff that they've got at the station, all the outreach programs they do, various things like that. So you can go onto their website, citr.ca backslash donate. Every show is targeted with getting some people to donate. So please go on that, donate, mention AFTN. When it asks you where you heard about it on the show, and we'll get some kudos. We hit our target the last few years. We want to do it again, guys, so let's go for it. 
And kicking off this part of the show, Zach, was a, a little bit of different music. We've gone back to my childhood and a, a show that I watched growing up. It ran from 1972. I don't know if you saw my, my tweets about it this week. Finger bobs. As the, the song said there, it's like he knows what to do with his hands. He used to make lots of little puppets and there was Finger Mouse and there was Gulliver the Gull and there was Scamp the Scampy and then there was Flash the Tortoise. Ah, it, it was a great show. Check it out on YouTube. I've been making Caitlin watch it this week. So much so that the other night she was in the toilet and I thought, oh, I'll just stick a, a quick episode on. And all she heard was the start going, doo-doo, doo-doo, and she yells down, are you watching Finger Bobs again? I was like, yes. Y- yes, I am. It's a good show, Zach. Trust me. You, you should check it out. Uh, I guess I'll just have to trust you. <laughs> Funniest thing about watching it, though, was Caitlin, she thinks my shows that I watched as a child in the 70s were very weird, and she thinks that's why I'm as weird as I am. And she was like, look at the guy. Look how creepy he is. What's wrong with all you... Your presenters in the 70s, why were they so creepy? I lovingly told her that the host, Rick Jones, was Canadian. He had a big, long beard, Zach. I don't want to know any more about him. Anyway, check it out, Finger Bobs, on YouTube. Enough of our Finger Bobs chat, let's get back to the football chat now. Andy Rose, we mentioned at the end of the last part. He is back at the club. We knew he was coming back. Axel kind of basically told us that last year. But the deal is all done. We know exactly what he's back as. One year as a player. He is also back as U19 assistant coach. His first step on the the coaching ladder. He's got his UEFA A licence. He's got his UEFA A youth elite licence as well. We talked to Andy in depth. We did a, a big career retrospective with him last year. And he spoke about his desire to get into coaching. I think it's a great appointment. It's a great one for the, the young guys to learn from. He's a player that on the pitch he always gives it all. I know he's an ex-Sounders act and you've, you hold that against him, but he is genuinely one of the best players I feel that the Whitecaps have had in recent years to move into that kind of role. He's like a consummate professional and on and off the pitch, what the players will learn from him as to what it takes to be a pro. You've got to remember, this is a guy that's had a pro career that started in college. He's played in the States, he's played in Canada, he's played in England, he's played in Scotland. So, I mean, he he's a good guy to learn from. I'm delighted for him. And I just think it's a, it's a great addition, Zach. Yeah, I would have preferred uh, another person named Andy who played center back to have been uh, kept in the squad longer and named named a youth coach. Yeah, um, he, he'd have been a, a good one as well. Yeah. Uh, but uh, no, I mean, it's good for Andy Rose. We'll see what it uh, what it means for the, the Whitecaps. Uh, I think there's got to be at least some uh, people who follow the Whitecaps who have this fear of like, oh, no, this means we're going to have a bunch of games where – Andy Rose is going to be starting at center back. And mm. I mean, his addition and a few, there's a few other, you know, roster moves or roster people who remain on the roster that, you know, you have to at least question their, their, um, their role in, in uh, own goals chase for the golden boot. boot in 2021. Yes. 
I mean, well, you, you, no, also, I mean, I mean you have to wonder, like, Jasser Kamiri surely is going to have to get moved on at some point. If he, d- yeah. if he doesn't start living up to this potential that he looked to have when they brought him in, he's filling up an international spot. He's oh, yeah. got to be one of the guys that they, they surely look to move on. But I'll I'll joke I'll joke aside like I, I yeah I'll, I mean I've only met Andy a couple of times but it, I've I've heard lots of good things from you and from other people about him and uh, yeah hope, like hopefully this is a I mean I, I, obviously when you talk about Andy Rosen coaching it's hard not to think about yeah he's the son-in-law of of, of, uh, of yeah. Bob and 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 he learned under as a player under Ziggy Schmidt and so yeah I mean there's um, it, it'll be interesting to see how how he develops as a coach and what that. What that goes on to look like for him, and and starting with youth is probably a, a good place to, to do that. And um, yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how things develop. But yeah, I mean, as much as I don't like former Flounders, you know, playing in Vancouver, um, it, it uh, we'll see what this actually does for Vancouver. Like, uh, does this actually help them? Because I, I I know he made some contributions on the pitch. I don't think his contributions on the pitch were um, were as meaningful enough you know to overcome that flounderness for me personally for me personally it wasn't his best season 2020 it was obviously a disrupted season because he he couldn't travel down with with his squad to the orlando's back tournament but before that like is that because the baby was born or because his diabetes or not i think it was the health oh no it was the baby in his case um because yeah. he wouldn't have been able to get back in time for the birth and various things like that so they, is, they decided he is, di- he is diabetes he yeah has? he has diabetes yeah. he's he's set up a, a type one united foundation. which is a, a foundation that does a lot of yeah. great work which in, is in awesome. the community as well that's awesome yeah yeah but i mean even i mean he didn't know he had diabetes until he was 26 and he's been playing a a, a career at that as well so i mean that's the kind of stuff that the young guys can kind of learn from like overcoming obstacles like that as well. Okay. Got a chance to. Well, he's got great. He's got great resiliency for sure. Oh yeah, I got a, a chance to chat with Andy on Saturday after he'd actually had training with the, the U19. So bring you a little bit of that just now. So delighted now to to be joined by by Andy just to chat about his his new role at the club and just his transition into his first step on the the coaching ladder. So thanks for joining us today, Andy. Happy New Year to you. Yeah, good to see you, mate. It's uh, been an eventful uh, few weeks, so really excited, obviously, with the announcement. Um, and. Uh, you know, just can't wait to to get going again. It feels like it's been too long since we played football, so I can't wait to see all the boys. Hopefully, get everyone back into town soon, uh, and look forward to, to getting going with preseason. Yeah, so back back with the Whitecaps. I, I guess the first thing to really ask you does does Vancouver feel like home for you now? Is this where you want to be for the foreseeable future? Yeah, certainly. You know, it definitely has has become you know to feel like home we've heading into year three now um you know due to travel restrictions my family's all back in the uk my wife's family's down in los angeles and so um you know we didn't get a chance to to go and and see all of them this this christmas so we had you know christmas in vancouver and um kind of laid low like everybody else but really enjoyed just the time being at home and 
you know, we've had such an incredible experience in the city. We, we love living here. Um, you know, my son is now starting preschool and uh, is making friends. And um, for, for all those sort of family reasons, it's it's been an awesome experience. And then football-wise, you know, I have um, so much belief in the pathway we're on as a club, as a team, um, and certainly thrilled to to continue my journey um, as a player and obviously stepping into in the coaching role as well. I um, can't think of a better place to be than, than with the Whitecaps. At the end of last year, Axel had kind of made it known that they were in talks, they wanted to bring you back. Obviously, the drafts were up and you, you were available in that, but was really what you were looking at, Vancouver, was, was really the option that you wanted and you, you wanted to, to have this new path of getting into coaching and still being a player? Yeah, the conversations had had started um, a few months back, and and uh, you know especially when when Vanny Sartini was uh, was given his new role as director of methodology. You know, Vanny and I have have gotten really well since we both came to the club uh, in 2019, and um, we are, we've had throughout the last couple of years. I've had a lot of football chats, um, and so you know when he kind of approached me with the idea. I had uh, I had just finished up my UFA license uh, with with the Welsh FA last summer, and it was certainly my idea to to begin some sort of work with with within the academy, and whether that was different teams and once a week, twice a week, depending on the season was going, um, it was something I was really interested in in pursuing. Probably to be honest, last season it just so happened that uh, COVID struck, and that just wasn't a possibility. Um, so as soon as I finished my my A license, it was absolutely you know something I was I wanted to do and just coincided with Vanny getting that role and having this idea of of kind of restructuring things in the academy, um, especially with the 23s and the 19s, and and for him to to want me to be a part of that, you know, I was delighted with. Uh, we had some really great conversations, and then you know that led to conversations with obviously Mark and Axel. Um, I think most importantly, I was wanting to get the playing side sorted just because I'm really enjoying my playing career. Um, I certainly don't want to finish too soon or anything like that. This is more with an eye on the future of my ambitions going into coaching when I when I do finish playing. Um, but uh, to know that they wanted to bring me back as a player was was kind of part A. And then the fact that uh, I had this amazing opportunity to, to kind of begin this pathway into coaching, um, yeah, there was certainly nowhere else I, I wanted to be. The, it's a strange time, really, at the moment, just in football in general, especially for the young guys, because they've, they've not had a, a chance to play. For yourself as a player, obviously, last year, we won't go into that. We've talked about that enough. It's like, what's past is past. But trying to get your coaching license during all that we talked about it before when we had a big chat last year about your desire to go into coaching how difficult it how difficult was it trying to finish those badges i, I guess remotely because you weren't able to to fly back and do all the stuff with the welsh fa they were they were absolutely brilliant the way they set it all up i think there was about 40 candidates um you know on my course and I think I was fortunate because I had done, I, I had completed most, pretty much all of the on-field stuff that I needed to. Um, 
which was key. And so then the plan would have been to go back to Wales for six days last summer. Obviously, that couldn't happen. There was a number of international students that that wouldn't have been possible for. And even in the UK, things were locked down. So they decided to, to go ahead and, and finish those last six days uh, via Zoom over the course of, I think it was two weeks. Um, and, uh, you know, it, like everybody throughout the this last stretch, we've had to make do and an awful lot of Zoom meetings. So I think it was nothing new for anybody on the course. And um, I can't speak highly enough for uh, Dave Adams, Carl Darlington, the guys who run the, the Welsh FA courses. The, you know, I was so fortunate throughout my uh, throughout the UEFA B and the UEFA A to to learn from some like-minded people, some really impressive candidates. Um, you know, Jimmy Traore, who's an assistant in Seattle when I played with in Seattle, was was on my course, and Pamadu Car, who obviously everybody knows over here. Um, I was on a course with him and uh, Gonzalo Pineda, who's obviously being touted for some MLS jobs and is assistant in Seattle. Um, so, uh, you know, others, Peter Crouch, Ian Walker, I'm sure you'll remember, um, you know, so it was, it was just a really enjoyable one when you're actually there spending time with everybody, you know, you're, I really enjoyed it. You know, you're working throughout the day, they're long days. Um, but then you, you get together at nighttime and all have a good chat and, and just kind of get to know each other. And obviously that part on zoom isn't quite the same. It's not quite possible. Um, but so much credit has to go to those guys for still figuring out a way, way to get it done. And obviously I was so happy to, to be able to finish up uh, with all that work. And I know you did some on-field stuff last year with the academy teams and you're, you're already into your role. You're already like doing stuff. You're on the pitch this morning just as we're, before we, we do this. How are, how are you enjoying it so far? Now, now that you know that this is your role and that you've got this focus, just what's it been like so far? Oh, I've loved it. I mean, I've been watching until until the announcement was made public. I was just kind of on the sidelines for the last couple of weeks, just kind of watching, trying to get to know the players. I'm working with the under-19 group, especially until, you know, we start preseason. I've got uh, this free time to be able to do it. So uh, that part has been great to get to know the individuals from afar. And then this past week um, was my first week, you know, properly organizing the sessions and taking them along with Nick Dasovich. Um, and I can't speak highly enough about the group. I think it's such an exciting um, time to be a Whitecaps Academy player because there's, I feel there's a genuine pathway to the first team and, and especially being a first team player and being able to pass on knowledge, my experience, uh, the understanding of what it takes to be part of that environment, what these young players need to prove, how they need to act, all those sort of things that I can, uh, I can, I can help them with and, Already, I've seen more than enough ability um, to make me feel there's players in there that can absolutely have careers with the white caps in the first team, and that that part is just so exciting. Um, but for the whole group, I mean, awesome group of guys, coachable, want to learn, uh, want to work. Um, so it's been a, a really enjoyable first week. Yeah, we've covered the the academy side of things on our site really from when we first started, it's something that's always interested me and just watching these guys come through. We, we've seen so much talent just not make the breakthrough. Now we've seen guys that have made the breakthrough. We've chatted before, not you and me, but just like on our show about the fact that in the past we've had guys that come through the academy and maybe their attitude 
wasn't great and it's like expectations of, well, I'm an academy player, I'll make it into the first yep. team. That all seems to have changed now. And the, the recent guys that we've had coming through, they've all had the right mentality. Is that a key thing that, that you're going to basically stress to them? You've been involved in the game for a while, but it's like patience. It's like don't run before you can walk, really. Yeah, I mean, look, every case is different, right? And I've been fortunate to, throughout my career, play with some top young players. And, you know, when I was in Seattle, when DeAndre Yedlin made his kind of breakthrough before his move to, to Tottenham. Yeah. Um, the, the, the best case, uh, and I'll use this example to a lot of our young players, was when I was at Coventry playing with James Madison, you know, when he was 18, uh, just seeing his commitment, what he did after training um obviously his natural ability to but but boy, what he did to work on that every single day and the kind of pathway he was on to you know becoming one of the, the world's best playmakers um in scotland my time at motherwell i played with you know motherwell has a fantastic academy and one name in particular david turnbull i think i've talked to you about before you know he's now starring for celtic so i've seen i've seen players at a young age what they're able to do it, it's not every single player coming out of our academy is going to be the next Alfonso Davies and each pathway is different one thing I've tried to stress is you know I've I've had a career 10 years as a professional now and I went the NCAA route I wasn't ready to be a pro when I was 17 um every single individual is different you know you don't have to follow a certain criteria of you know going from the 19s to 23s to the first team football because it's not like that for everybody there's going to be ups and downs for players some players are going to go away and come back some players might you know might go to college and come back cpl and come back um and uh each pathway is different so certainly one thing i can absolutely try and and hammer home and teach these guys is what their attitude needs to be like when they do come and train with us with the first team and when that time comes when a few of the players i coach are you know are able to come up and train with me as well i'm going to be a really proud but b um making sure they understand how you fit into a first team environment and and what you have to what you have to prove and 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 obviously wanting to be yourself but how you need to act and you know just how great it is to be a professional footballer that's one thing i've been stressing to the guys is like you're 17, 18 now, it is the best job in the world. So let's do everything in our power together right now to get you there. Um, and then when you get there, you're right. There needs to be an element of humility um, and understanding that MLS is filled with some top, top players. And so you're not going to be the best player in the 19s and then walk into the first team and be the best player there. Um, that takes understanding. It takes patience, like you said. Um, and it also takes personality because in the first team, we want players to come and be themselves and not just be robots. We want them to to come in and expect at some point to be the best player on the training pitch. Um, and so look, these are all things that I can every single day uh, talk to the guys about. Obviously, I'm fortunate because I'm still living it. I'm still living in the first team environment, uh, understand what it takes to get there, what it took for me to get there. Um, and I think that's hopefully going to gonna be a cool experience for the young players. It's obviously been 
weird last year that what happened with the team not knowing where they're playing this year you still have no idea whether you're actually going to be playing home games in Vancouver for the academy guys it was even worse because their season was wiped out how do you keep them switched on when they've not got those games they know they're going to be in this MLS league if it starts there's all the the local options that could be on the table for the 23s or the 19s depending on if leagues start or how all that happens but just now, they're just playing training, they're just scrimmaging inter-squad games. It's like, how do you keep them switched on mentally? It was probably my biggest question coming into all of this, and not just saying this, I've been so impressed with their intensity, their attitudes, um, because that's not easy when you don't have, when you're constantly training, and, and you know, we will play a lot of 19s, be 23s for this next stretch until things open up a little bit more, and awesome way for the 19s to test themselves against the next group, the group in front of them, you know, because to get to the first team, they're going to have to compete with those players. Um, so I think when you're not competing in a league, you train all week and you don't quite have that carrot at the end of the week. And that can be mentally a bit draining. Um, that's a new thing for me as well. It's a learning process I'm going to have to go through and, and I'm going to have to pay special attention to, kind of the emotional side of the game for each of these guys. Um, that's all part of getting to know them as people and not just players, um, which is something I've really enjoyed doing so far. Um, and, you know, as, as time goes on, they're still like, they're, they're still in a position that thousands of kids around Canada would love to be in They're yeah. They're training in an environment where there's eyes on them that can get them to where they want to go. And, and hopefully I'm going to be one of those people that, you know, if, if I see someone who's so impressive and impresses me every time, every, every, every training session with his dedication, his attitude, his quality, um, then absolutely I'll be going to Vanny and, and Mark and saying, Hey, this guy needs to be pushed up a level. This guy needs to play for the 23s. Or, Hey, I think this guy could actually, come and train with us. He should come into preseason with us. And so there's, uh, yeah, of course, there's no no league right now. And, and hopefully that's going to change soon. But there's still, you know, so much for these kids to play for. You've still got a good few years left in you as a player. In your mind, how long do you feel you might want to go playing before you go down the coaching role? What your mind wants and what your body wants might be two different things, of course. But it's like, have you kind of, you don't have to share too much if you don't want to, but have you set a target in your mind of, I've got this X number of years and then I'm going to be focusing on coaching? Not really, not really, to be honest. I think, um, of course, every, you know, it's easy to draw up a five-year plan, a 10-year plan, whatever, but in football, things can change so quickly. So, you know, I signed a one-year playing contract. I would love for that to be extended into another year maybe potentially even another year. Um, I want to, I have so much ambition and drive to play as many games this year as possible to be play as big of a role on our first team as possible. Um, I certainly feel I can do that. And so I'm just looking forward to, to preseason. And, and obviously I speak about what it takes to get there so much to these young guys that I need to live that every day and prove it every day. And so I'm, I'm, just really excited for this season. And I think it's a good time to take it year by year, see what opportunities pop up, 
Um, I went and visited uh, a friend who's on Steven Gerrard's staff last year at Rangers and spent a week just kind of watching training and, and hanging around with those guys. And, um, you know, at the end of the week, Gerrard said, play as long as you can. There's nothing better than play. And obviously management is the next best thing. Coaching is the next best thing. But um, playing is, is, is the number one. And certainly I would, uh, I would hate to look back and, and think that I stopped playing too early. Um, so I, I think I'll take it year to year, continue as, as long as I'm enjoying it. And as long as I'm playing an important role, um, I'll continue playing. And, and hopefully that gives me time to really learn, uh, you know, le learn the coaching side because it's so different. You know, I think a lot of players think it's easy to just when they finish retire, you know, they're just going to coaching and there's so much to learn. It's, um, it's completely different being on that side of the touchline. So, uh, this is an, uh, an amazing opportunity for me to obviously continue playing, but then really start learning, learning the coaching side. Right now, it looks like pre-season's getting underway February 22nd, with season getting underway in April. Obviously, this, this week's just, every day seems to bring a new bit of news between the, the league <laughs> and the players. And yep. I know you can't say too much about things, but as a player in this situation and you're watching things play out the way that we're watching it play out and statements getting issued and a, a lockout is looming. It certainly looks that way because of what, what's happened in response to what the... The union, I feel, made a very fair compromise and gave a lot of concessions. Doesn't seem to have been enough. How is it watching that play out? Frustrating, of course. I think when, uh, like everybody, when you don't have clarity on the situation and clarity on what the next month is going to look like, what the season is going to look like, of course it's difficult. And that's kind of what we've all been living in, in this cloud for a while now. So, look, I, I think um, the statement uh, we came out with the other day is you know, we're, we're ready to play. Of, of course, we're very hopeful. Um you know, obviously, with like you said, it seems things seem to change daily with government restrictions. What it's going to look like? I think we all had this grand plan of being able to, uh, this idea of being able to play at home this season. I really hope that comes to fruition at some point. Um, when? No idea. Um, so, I think, uh, yeah, of of course, we all want answers. There's a lot of questions still, and uh, I think we've all got our fingers crossed that. An agreement is made and, and we can play because as players, that's what we want to do. Yeah, I, I think everyone else that watches on as well, fans, media, whatever, we just kind of want that as well. But that's great. Thank you so much for your time today, Andy. I know you're super busy at the moment. Really appreciate it. Hopefully, we'll see you on the pitch soon. Hopefully, we'll get to do face-to-face -face stuff at some point this year. But always appreciate everything. Good luck in the new role and yeah, good luck with the move. <laughs> Awesome. Thanks so much for having me on, Michael. I really appreciate it. And likewise, look forward to, uh, fingers crossed, hopefully catching up in person soon. That's great. Thanks so much, Andy. Take care. I got a feeling inside of me. It's kind of strange, like a stormy sea. I don't know why, I don't know why. I guess these things have got to be. I've got a new rose, I've got a good. Yes, I knew that I always would. Some great stuff from, from Andy Rose there, just talking about his new role and just he's looking forward to, to the season to come. He's excited 
by a lot of the the talent in the U19s at the moment. As he mentioned there, it's it's tough for these guys because they haven't had a season in 2020. They they weren't able to to play from March onwards. It looks like it's going to be a lot of like just inter-squad games between the U19s and the, the U23s for the foreseeable future. There's been lots of murmurs around that the Whitecaps are going to maybe have a team in League 1 BC or, or whatever. And the, there was an interesting article in the Northern Tribune, actually check that out, where they had noticed that a club that's looking to go into League 1 BC, Fally Academy or Altitude FC, are the, they're going to be called, had actually filed stuff with North Van Council about getting pitches for it and it revealed a little bit about the the league that it might be starting this year running May to July although it also did mention April to August so we we could have League One BC on the go this year and if it is on the go you'd have to think the Whitecaps are actively looking to put their U19s or U23 in that it would would make sense Absolutely. But yeah, I'm excited to see what Andy does. On the pitch as well, he is going to to give some backup in the the defensive midfield role as a centre-back role. I mean, last season, the game down in LA, it was Andy Rose and Jasser Kamiri. Kamiri had his best game, I think, as a Whitecap playing beside Andy. And it's just, that's what he can bring out of, of, of Kamiri and... I know I, he's not ideally a centre-back and MDS did talk about he maybe should have been and he could have maybe focused on that. I just think he's a, he's a good addition to the squad. I think he's a great addition to the academy and I'm really looking forward to, to seeing what happens with his coaching career. But as he said in the interview there, he still thinks he's got another one, two, three years playing side in him. So, I mean, who knows where that might take him. He's got one year here. He might end up going somewhere else to, to be a coach or whatever but the young guys are certainly going to learn a lot from him and especially how to conduct themselves off the pitch and I think that can only be good Yeah, and I wish him well But that is it for this part, we've got one more part to go and we're going to turn our attention away from MLS and to within Canada the Canadian Premier League the 2021 draft was taking place on Friday we've got a lot to talk about from that and we'll be back with that after this. Hi, I'm Alan Koch, and you are listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Rabbit, 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 Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio. 
101.9 FM, broadcasting from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of Beautiful, British Columbia. And here at CITR, it's fun drive time. We've talked about it throughout the show. We want you to help support the station. Go to citr.ca backslash donate. Want to know why you should support them? Here's one of my fellow show hosts to tell you why. Heyo, this is Isaac from On The Point. This week is Fun Drive here at CITR, the one time each year where we ask for your support to help us keep local, independent, and alternative voices on air. For me, CITR is a platform where people can develop their own voices and a space to build community. If you are in a position to contribute, please visit citr.ca slash donate to donate. Thank you so much. So yep, support the station, support the fun drive. We're trying to raise as much as possible this year. CITR.ca backslash donate. Anything you can give in these difficult times would be very much appreciated. Just make sure on the website you mention AFTN and we'll get the kudos for sending you that way. Now we kicked off this part with an interesting song, Zach. I might have played it on the show before. It's from the 80s. It's from those good old Cockney boys, Chaz and Dave, Rabbit. Rabbit, 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 rap, 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 rabbit, rabbit, rap, rap. Yep, I'm sure you loved that song, Zach. And of course, there's only one reason why I played Rabbit. The Rally Rabbit of Edmonton. The CPL draft took place on Friday, and Edmonton were very busy. We will come to them shortly. 16 players picked over the two rounds. Edmonton had the first pick. It was a snake draft, so Edmonton picked first and last. Four UBC guys were selected from the draft. Also, rather surprisingly, four first-year students, although a couple of them have got experience in like youth teams in Europe, so they're not really your kind of typical first-year college guy. But I, I like the fact that they, they've got the, the U-Sports CPL draft, and the, the only thing I don't like about it is the fact that number one pick overall, Tommy Gardner, Picked by Pacific, first two years, picked by Edmonton this year. So he's been in all three drafts. He's been picked in all three times. He's never earned a contract yet because injuries derailed his times with Pacific. But I mean, they've changed it now. So it's like when you're drafted, you're with that team. So you don't have to get drafted the next year with that team. Right. Which, yeah, which is interesting. I mean, that's probably a step in the right direction. I think the U Sports draft is one of the things that, in the short history of the league, I think that they've done really, really well. I mean, there's things, yeah, like you said, about we just talked about, there's the the low wages, the low contracts, which are another issue. But yeah. the, 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 the draft overall and this whole ability to it not to ruin your educational, you know, playing time and whatever – think has been just a, like a breath of fresh air and one of the positive steps that the league has made yeah i don't, I don't know I, i'm excited uh, when i look at this list i'm excited to see um you know people like tommy gardner continue to get a chance i'm excited to see a jackson farmer uh in there you know you have richie larea's brother yeah you know, ubc players there, um, there was a lot of guys actually that gideon and myself commentated on during the 2018 nationals up at ubc like at carrollton and montreal and at ubc and it's like it's, that was such a good tournament 
And so many guys from that tournament that really shone have been drafted last year. The Cape Breton guys this year, a lot of those guys have been picked as well. And the talent in college soccer in Canada is phenomenal. It also, I think, highlights... Folk know how much I love SFU, and I've gone to watch them for years under Allen. But I think it highlights that if you want to get an opportunity in the pro game, going down the U Sports route might even prove better for you. Because you've got this SFU guys that were in the MLS drafts, it was highly unlikely they were going to get a look in that draft because of their Canadian status. They can't go into this draft because it's just for the U Sports guys. But these guys have now earned a contract. They can go back and continue their education. I mean, guys like the Polices can get brought into camp. And I believe Matteo Polisi, there's a couple of clubs really interested in signing him. Pacific's really high up, up that list. There's a good chance he's going to, to get invited to, to training camp there. But I think going to U Sports, having this ability to get drafted and then going back to continue your education as well, if you don't sign a pro deal... It's just, it's fantastic. It's win-win for the players. It's win-win for the clubs. Yeah, a real, real bright spot and encouragement. Now, we're going to do a little bit of a giveaway on the show. So, to celebrate the CPL draft and the CPL season, hopefully getting underway Labor Day weekend, we're going to have a giveaway for one lucky listener. And it's going to be a competition that is CPL related. So, we'll talk about it in this show. I'll tweet it out as well. And you can win... A Canadian Premier League Volkswagen mini ball and, for all you scarf collectors, a special, really good quality Canadian Premier League Volkswagen collection. Michael, they, they can't they can't see this. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't know I why I've got it so much bothered to get it the right way around. I'm <laughs> kind of forgetting that we're not doing a live thing. But yeah, it's a Canadian Premier League Volkswagen collection scarf. It's a new right. limited edition range. Volkswagen have brought out a few Canadian Premier League tie-in merchandise. So you can check everything out at vwcollection.ca. And the the mini balls that I'm holding up again to the, the radio audience, um, these were actually given out at the inaugural game. Oh, yeah. Um, of the CPL as well. So it's a nice little collector's item for you to have. So how do you win this in our prize pack giveaway? Well, we've talked before, we're excited about having a team in the in the Fraser Valley, Lower Mainland, somewhere, anyway, we want a CPL team here. I just want you to give me your team name suggestions and why. Oh, okay, Michael. <laughs> you, you can whatever end you do, if you want, Zach. Whatever you do, don't, don't talk about our conversation from last week. I definitely won't talk about our conversation from last week. <laughs> so, I mean, what would you suggest? What about Port City? Can you go Port City FC? Hmm? Port, is that is that your is that oh. your suggestion? No, that's that's from the. Are you you are you forgetting? I am forgetting. What was Port City FC? Port City FC was one of the proposed uh, ideas for the Fraser Valley team. Oh, oh I Surrey, do remember. Surrey is a major, or Surrey has a significant port. I still think the Salish Seaman was a, a a good potential name. Hmm. Hard to swallow, maybe, for some people to, to go with a name like that, but I don't know. You don't forget your own jokes, do you? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll tweet this out as well, so let us know what would you call a team, a CPL team in the Lower Mainland. And whatever name Zach and me feel is the best name, We'll have a big debate about this this week. We'll win a prize pack. Now, unfortunately, it's only open to entrants in Canada. 
But whoever the winner is will get in touch. Let us know your name and address. We'll give it to the CPL and they will mail you that out. So are people going to tweet tweet at us? Or yep, we... we'll get you to tweet us at AFT in Canada. Or if you're not on Twitter, you can send us an email at AFTNCanada at Hotmail.com. But anyway, that is our prize back competition to celebrate the CPL draft. But let's talk a little bit more about the draft and a couple of the guys that were drafted. We touched on them there. Pacific FC have two new potential signees coming to their training camp, both from UBC. Christopher Lee, not Dracula from the 1970s Hammer horror films that I used to watch, but Whitecaps residency graduate, first year defender, very highly rated, and he could be a, a good backup for, for Caden Chung at Pacific. Hmm. You also should have said uh, he played Saruman in Lord of the Rings and Count Dooku in Star Wars. That's the thing. It's like when we mentioned Christopher Lee, there was a lot of folk tweeted at us on all these kind of gifts and stuff. And it's like Christopher Lee, the actor, just had such a varied career. Wasn't he the man with age, the golden gun? I think he was. Yeah. yeah. Like whatever age you are, there's a different Christopher Lee for you. And for me, it was Dracula because I, I, yeah. I grew up watching that. Yeah, for me, it would be Saruman, Count Dooku, and, and the man with the golden gun. Those would be the top three. And for the Lakeside boys, it's going to be a potential defender. So, so there you go. But the other player drafted by Pamudu Ka is another Whitecaps residency alumni, Victory Shambusho, a guy that very high on. Had hoped to get a chat with him for this episode. Weren't able to get it done in time, so we'll hopefully bring you that in next week's show. We've spoken to Victory before. He's been with UBC Thunderbirds for four years now. This is, is going to be his senior year. He's a guy that knows the way to go. With the, the season being derailed, UBC had a team in VMSL but before it got suspended as well. And in the six games that the UBC team played, Victory scored nine goals in that. So, I mean, he's definitely a, a good potential. He's a guy, I think, that can come into Pacific and really challenge Diaz and Tern Campbell for, for a place in the team. And I think he's a guy that will really thrive in a day-to-day -day pro environment. So really looking forward to, to seeing what Victory can do there. Yeah, you got to say, it's just nice to see a football club in BC uh, doing all they can to get Victory. Hey. But, um, it was great. That that Whitecaps residency team had Victory and Glory. Glory, yeah. So they, yeah, both those. Christopher Lee also a Whitecaps uh you, you, yeah, so, I've, I've got pictures of him from when he was from the, the under-15s and yeah. there was a training session that Pa took with him. So Pa has actually seen him play. Yeah, so both these guys, is it, is, is it the same kind of thing where Whitecaps would hold their MLS rights or is like, how does that work? I, I don't I know. know with Christopher because he's just gone into UBC. This would have been, last season would have been his first season at UBC. Victory's been away for so long now that I don't yeah. think he's kept up right. the training thing. So it would be a whole Joel Harrison kind of situation right. of if you wanted him, you'd have to kind of maybe draft him again. Get his rights. They might hold his rights, but I, I don't think they probably do. Victory as well has experience on the island. He actually played for Victoria Highlanders. He was meant to come and play with TSS, but they managed, the Highlanders got him a kind of coaching gig as well. So that was kind of what swayed him to play there. So he's familiar there. So looking forward to seeing that. And then we talked about FC Edmonton. Alan Koch, the, the new head coach there, he went with two guys very familiar with from his time at WFC2, 
Tommy Gardner, Jackson Farmer, you mentioned them both there. Tommy, lot of potential. Mm-hmm. And Jackson, Edmonton boy, going home. Has he been back at UBC? Yeah, he went down to Charleston. Um, right. Then he kind of dotted about a little bit. And he went... 2019 was his first season at, at UBC. Okay. Um, great defensive performance that, that year. Really, him and Riley Pang f- formed a f- great defensive right. partnership for, for UBC. And then this year was obviously a little bit derailed. But back to Edmonton, two guys that Alan knows so well. And I tell you what, I know a lot of these guys don't earn contracts, I would be very surprised if both these guys don't earn a contract to Edmonton oh, yeah. under Allen. I mean, to- Tommy, it's obviously maybe the injury thing. Jackson, to me, is like CPL is one of the is – a, is a league uh, – it's not made for Jackson Farmer, but I think can be really beneficial for a Jackson yeah. Farmer. Because we – yeah, watching him in the residency, you saw he has qualities. Like he well, – He's been capped at, at senior level for, for Canada. Yeah. he And so it just felt for a little while there he didn't quite have a – a place to play or to, to continue to grow, to continue to develop, to take it to, you know, the next, the next phase, the next phase. And I think that that can happen from the CPL where he could, you know, blossom beyond that, you know, or he plays in the CPL for his hometown club and, and achieve something, you know? So, as you know, I, as much as I don't, <laughs> don't like FC Edmonton, um, I really like Jackson Farmer and I really appreciate Tommy Gardner as well. And I hope that they both do, uh, do, do well there. I have to say, I'm going to find it very hard not to cheer for the for the Eddies this year. But Alan there, and with the, the two of those is, guys, is, is Didich still there? Yeah, Didich has re-signed yeah. with him. He had offers to go into a couple of MLS camps, but he turned those down to to re-sign with the Eddies. And like a, a Didich farmer oh, partnership yeah. at the back, that's an exciting prospect as well. And I think it's going to be a really good environment for for Jackson to be in. He's a bit older now. Tommy as well, uh, if he can stay healthy, I mean, for one thing, his free kicks are spectacular. Him and Bustos could be rivaling each other to to see who has the most spectacular free kicks, along with probably Kyle Becker uh, in the season to come. I, I'm excited for, for both those guys. I'm excited to, to see what Alan builds at Edmonton. Got a chance to, to speak to Tommy and Jackson and a little bit about Alan as well after the draft on Friday. So I'll bring you that audio just now. Here's what they had to tell me. First thing, I'll, I'll, I just I'll, I'll start with Alan. These are two guys that you've drafted that you know very well from your time here with Whitecaps 2. You spoke a little bit about it on the draft show. What was it about the two guys that that made you decide to go for them in this year's draft? Um, two, two words, Mike. Um, potential and familiarity. Um, obviously, in a draft like this, from outside as a coach and as a GM, uh, there's a lot of unknowns uh, when you go through and you research and you look at all these different players. And there were some talented players uh, available in this draft. Uh, but having worked with both Jackson and uh, Tommy before, uh, I obviously have a much better understanding of who they are as players, who they are as people, uh, and, and maybe just an awareness of how we need to push them so we can continue to elevate them along their journeys. Uh, and they're both taking different journeys, uh, football journeys, as I know from my own career, but they're figuring out in their playing career, it's not a, it's not always a straight line. 
uh, you have your ups and your downs. Uh, but I'm very, very excited to, to work with both of them again. Um, they're, they're both players that definitely haven't peaked. Um, and coming into our environment, we know we're going to push them to get the most out of them. Uh, I believe, and they can speak for themselves, I, I believe they're both excited to, to come join us. Um, and we, we're looking forward to embracing them, putting them in our environments and uh, see how far we can take them. Just a question then for, for both Tommy and for Jackson. Good to see you guys again. It's felt longer than it has been. That, that I've seen you both up at, at UBC, but Tommy, I know this is your your third draft, the third time that you've been picked. Things have been de- derailed a, a little bit for you with injuries. That The first couple of times, different team you're coming to this time. How excited are you at the challenge of Edmonton and reunited with Alan again? Yeah, um, I'm super excited. I can't express that enough. Uh, uh, I, I'm up for the challenge and I uh, reunited with Alan. I played some of my best soccer under him and uh, I'm looking forward to doing the same again. And Jackson, obviously you you know Alan as well from the couple of years at, at WFC2. Coming back to, to your hometown after the stint at UBC, how excited are you for, for this? So, yeah, no, I'm super excited. I uh, um, It's kind of funny, you know, like I grew up in Edmonton my whole life pretty much besides... Um, sorry. Jacko, we've drafted you already. Nobody else is allowed to take you, okay? I know, I'm getting calls from my friend or my friends and, and colleagues to congratulate me. Sorry, I was one of them. That's good, though. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, no. Um, yeah, no, like I said, I was. I grew up in Edmonton. You know, I know Edmonton and all it's, you know, everybody and all my friends and family are all here. And uh, and I never played here, and I never really came back, even at Whitecaps, uh, to come play in front of fans, even, like, even for... Uh, uh, Amway Championship games. You know, I've been to Toronto and I've, you know, been on the bench on like BMO Field and and uh, I've been around and I've been to Charleston Battery and then uh, I've jumped around in a couple other places too. And it's just like I've never really come back to Edmonton to play um, for FC Edmonton, right? And uh, it's always been something in the back of my head where I've always wanted to do it. And, and when I heard Alan was coming to uh, Edmonton to, to join the club as coach. I kind of had it in my head. I was like, oh, maybe he'll uh, reach out and maybe he'll be interested. And maybe the draft will work out. And, and it ended up doing, and I'm just super happy and excited to be a part of it finally. And I just want to connect with the fans and the people of Edmonton that I have so much to offer. Um, a city of my own, pretty much. So <laughs> I'm just uh, looking forward to it. Obviously, it was a difficult 2020. The, the whole U Sports season was wiped out. I know you guys got to play a little bit in VMSL. There's only really six games, but how do you feel that that helped with your sharpness, kept you up at the levels that you kind of needed to be at? Um, I think the most competitive games we actually had were um, like within our team, actually. And it's, uh, it's a good mentality, like our, the UBC team. All the guys we brought in and the guys that are currently on the team, they're they're all competing with each other and everyone's working as hard as they can because the ultimate goal for them is to win a U Sports championship and everyone knows like starting early, especially since everywhere else in the country isn't a, like able to play right now, we can get a huge head start and we can just keep it rolling and hopefully uh, bring that into the next U Sports season. And like Jackson I know that UBC's been training a lot and it has been competitive, as Tommy said there. The VMSL games, there was a lot of blowouts in those because of the, the kind of opposition you were up against. But was it good just to kind of get on the pitch and and just kind of keep those levels up? Yeah, for sure. I mean, 
as a competitive player, you're looking for um, the best games you can put yourself in. Um, and obviously, blowouts aren't aren't really the best to challenge your uh, your your ability in that sense. But I think it's 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 um, it's much the reason just getting back out there and getting on the field and, and getting into these scheduled games and used to 90 minutes and and getting back to uh, the normality of playing like full games again um, and building yourself up to 90 minutes. Um, I know the pandemic obviously has been tough for everybody to. To, especially in Alberta here with shutdowns and gyms being closed and, and it's minus 30 outside and snow up to your ankles. It's, it's very hard, but I mean, everybody can make excuses and stuff. So you guys, you got to just find um, areas that you can work on yourself and develop yourself in the toughest of times. And, and uh, soccer, as you go on, it's just much, it's much like riding a bike. You know, you, you have all the fundamentals, you know, everything. Um, and, it's uh, it's it's for me personally. I'm just really looking forward to getting back into uh, training, just to um, tighten up the bolts and getting back into the swing of thing. And you pick it up in in, in, in the first week you're there, and you just gotta you know. So that it, that's what I'm kind of looking forward to, and uh, and uh, and yeah. So uh, just last thing for me, just for Alan, what what do the next couple of weeks look like for you? It's, I take it, I mean, from speaking to like Mark and Axel out here in Vancouver, recruitment's a bit difficult because they don't know where Vancouver's going to be playing. At least you guys know you've definitely got a season within Canada. Has that made it easy for recruitment or have you kind of had some, some challenges in that regard? Uh, firstly, I'll, I'll say something on a tangent, Mike. Um, I've never heard Jackson sound so intelligent in my entire life. So <laughs> He's clearly gaining a lot from his UBC education. So, um, on a more on a more serious note, um, recruitment is always challenging uh, because you're you're trying to to bring in players, but you're bringing in people, uh, of course, and uh, that's not easy to assess the players when you're not actually able to watch people play in live games, uh, and then. We're not actually able to to go fly or drive and, and get to know these the guys that we're bringing in. So we've had to be very very creative in our recruitment in terms of trying to get to know players on Zoom calls, things like this. We we've actually had Zoom calls with prospective players and a few of the players that we've signed. We've we've gone through this process and had similar calls like this. Uh, but I think we're we're all excited. I think having the the May twenty second potential start date is exciting. It, it kind of gives us something to aim towards. Um, we're working on development plans for every single player and we're going to start with Tommy and Jackson already this weekend in terms of creating programs for each of them to, to work to get themselves ready for when we start an official preseason. Um, but preseason uh, is not the day that they say you can start working. You have to be ready for preseason. Um, so we work with these players to develop them to get them ready both mentally and physically for that start. Um, so we're going to we're going to continue now with the next phase with, with these two guys, but with our entire team in terms of working programs with them and doing some stuff remotely and virtually to, to make sure they're good to go when we're ready to, to train. Thanks so much, guys. So that was two new FC Edmonton players there and their new head coach, Alan Koch. Tommy Gardner, Jackson Farmer, two guys that we know very well here at AFTN. We've watched them come through the ranks of the residency. We've watched them with white caps too. 
We've watched them at UBC. We've watched them with TSS Rovers, Calgary Foothills. It's great to see them now in this new chapter of their career. As we said there, I would be amazed if they don't actually earn a, a, a CPL deal. And I, I'm very interested to, to really see what the Eddies are like this year. We're going to catch up and have a, a proper sit-down chat with Alan Koch soon. So we'll bring you that either next week's show or the, the week after. But he's he's been working hard and signing up a lot of the, the core that Edmonton had. They had a decent team last year. Their problem was they just did not get the goals coming. And I don't know if they've fully addressed that yet. Tommy should certainly help get that midfield ticking along, but you feel they maybe still need a couple of other pieces up front, I, th- I think, Zach. Yeah, they, they totally struck me as the side that o- over a normal length season, they might have come good because they definitely yes. had some some players up front with a, with the abilities and the qualities to, to make things happen, to score goals, to create chances. Um, on Garrow and... Uh, Kevin Allman and uh, yeah, Allman just never really lived up to to what you were expecting of a guy of that level. But it's too short a season to yeah, judge. Yeah, it was what, seven. It was seven games, and seven they were games out, and they, they were out after like five, I think, or something. Yeah, yeah, it, it was unfortunate for them. But you're, you're right. As much as I, they're not my favorite club in the CPL. In the CPL, I, just in the same way, at, at, uh, going into last year, we were excited. This year, or not excited. We were excited to see what might become of them. Again, this year, I'm excited to see what they, they might do. And Tommy Gardner and Jackson Farmer just increased that excitement. Yeah, I, I can't wait for the season to, to get underway. I really hope it can get underway for, for Labor Day. David Clanahan was on before the draft just talking a little bit about it. He says they're still aiming for that, but they do they fully appreciate the fact that local restrictions and just national restrictions could change and derail that I just hope whatever they manage to get done it's more than a 7 to 11 game season it doesn't help the players it doesn't help the the league get that foothold in everyone's consciousness my worry is things might get a little bit lost in the shuffle this summer because you've got the gold cup you've got the euros you've got the olympics all potentially being on it's going to be hard to get eyeballs on a league if you're starting that league in maybe say july or august when all these things are underway so you really have to try and get that going but before that in may if you can in june i mean I, I would love to be able to get over to the island, see some games there, make it through to Edmonton, see some of the, the games there as well. Just get out, really, and, and see games anywhere, I think, would be be really nice just now. We don't really know when that's going to be, but, yep, fingers crossed we'll get all that done soon. That is pretty much it for tonight's show. Just before we go, though, we've got time for this week's Wavelength, and I'm going to go back to 1986 for this week's song. And it's from an Aussie band called Tactics. And it's from their album Blue and White Future Whales. And it's just them pitching their idea that instead of currency, people should just trade football cards.
Aussie band Tactics there with their song Football Cards. I'm all for that. If you could trade football cards for like bread, milk and shops, that's how the the way things should work, I feel. Of course, Zach still has some of my World Cup cards that he took pre-COVID and has never given me back. Oh, those I have World Cup stickers of yours, maybe. Yes. I have have my Eric Hasley card from 2011. Is it signed yet? (laughs) No, I'm so I'm so sorry. The times where I should have got it signed, they were lovely <laughs> times. I'm sorry I didn't bring it with me. One no, day, hey, 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 never close the door on that. I'm, I'm not. I'm expecting it back at some point. I, I actually, there was a there. Will actually, to be serious for a moment, there was a time. Where was it? Uh, right at the end of man, what year? All these years are blending together. Maybe 2019. Yeah, there was a time, there was a, there was a chance at the end, near the end of 2019, where I was gonna finally get that done for you, but that didn't work out the way I was hoping. Well, it didn't work out at all. So, but you know, yeah, down the road. That's fine. Tell you what, I'll, I'll settle for an interview with him, so if you can get him lined up for the show instead, oh, that would be fantastic. That, actually, that's, that's probably easier than what, what <laughs> than connecting in Montana. Actually, we should do that. But and just to to tease some stuff for the listeners, we've got a couple of of very exciting interviews coming up with. Some former Whitecaps, if we manage to to dot the I's and cross the T's on the on the contracts, uh, one of them is actually somebody that I do have a signed card from. But oh, I believe it. Yeah, there yeah. We, go. Well, we have agreement on the one for sure. So hopefully that'll come to fruition. And yeah, then... that's not the one I've got the signed card for, by the way. Oh, okay, the other one. <laughs> it's the other one. So there's a one. there's a tease for people. We'll tease that out there. But that is it for tonight's show. Just before we go, Zach, let everyone know where they can find you online. On Twitter, I, I rarely tweet, but uh, I try and follow a few things. Um, it's at Zachary AM. I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Read our stuff away from the numbers, AFTN.ca. If you want to listen to our other AFTN podcast on East Fife and Scottish football, and why would you not want to listen to that, check out AFTN.co.uk. We've got a good interview in the latest episode with Craig Johnston, Zach, local lad that captained the team. Nice. He made the papers, actually, for... We played Rangers when Rangers had been demoted down to, to our division. He's a big Rangers fan. And then after the game at Ibrox, instead of coming home in the East Fife players bus... He went home with his mate on the Rangers supporters bus. Did not go down well with the East Fife supporters. He apologised afterwards. When was that? 2013. 
Oh, okay. So you were here, so you didn't like spin on him or anything. No, but my forum was up and running at the time, and the oh. abuse of he got on that forum was was not good. the The previous episode, I forgot to mention this. We had an East Fife legend from the nineties, Dave Beaton, on, who told a wonderful story about the East Fife bus driver that they had in the nineties. He had one eye, and he couldn't see very well as he drove the bus. And he told this story. They were coming back from a midweek game. And the driver never saw this guy on a bike in the dark and he hit him and sent him into a ditch. So they had to then put him on the player's bus and take him to the local hospital. I'm laughing, but that's so horrible. (laughs) So we're trying to find out more about this one-eyed bus driver now. The tales we have had on our East Fife podcast have been unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, I've heard you've told me about some of them. so yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I'm waffling on now. We should wrap the show up. Yep. Support CITR and Fundrive, citr.ca backslash donate. Anything you can give will be great. And talking of fundraising, AFTN will be kicking off our latest fundraising campaign in a couple of weeks as well, where you can subscribe to the extra podcasts. But that's it for this episode. We'll be back next time with another Pat show. Until then, thanks for listening. Take care. And mourn the MLSPA. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. Mm-hmm.